of this series called What If? What If? Right? And so, you know, first we looked at what if I liked my job? We talked about God's perspective of work. And then last week, Pastor Cindy talked about what if my marriage was made in heaven? You know, what, what could be different, right, in our relationships? And uh, so today I thought I would pick an easy subject because those have been hard. So I thought I'd talk about money because <laughs> I thought I'd just pick one that I knew we could just, you know, move right on through, right? Because, you know, look, there's been so many books written about it. Surely you have all the information you could possibly need, right? I mean, you don't need any, you know, we all know everything. There has been thousands of books, right, written about money, about how to make it, how to spend it, how to invest it. And then there's other books written on how to get out of trouble, you know, how to get out of debt, you know. And, I mean, there's just so many things. The choices are endless. And, but, you know, unfortunately, there's also a lot of disagreements about money, aren't there? A lot of arguments about money. There's a lot of problems uh, that can come along with money, whether it's in marriages or in businesses, in governments, man, even in churches from, sometimes. Money creates issues, and it can end up in lawsuits and divorces over money. can end up in friendships being broken. I mean, money just... It, the, the, the both sides of the issue just goes on and on, doesn't it? So that's a question for us. Why are there so many issues about money? Why, why, why is money such a topic with such diverse things? Why, what causes that? It represents security and power. Okay. It represents security and power. What else? Why else is money such an issue in our lives? People don't know how to manage it. So, so yeah, there's, I mean, there's greed, there's, I mean, it, it, sometimes money can bring out the best in people, other times it brings out the, the worst in people, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean. It can be deceptive. People think that because if they have money that it'll solve all their problems. People think money will solve all their problems. That causes a problem, doesn't it? No, yeah. money doesn't solve our problems. And So people, people are deceptive. I mean, I mean, money, it just, it just brings out almost any emotion you can think of, right? There's been some example where, I mean, it's on that extreme or the other. It, it, it's, just this, it's just this thing that uh, can really get a hold of us, okay? And so what I want us to do this morning is almost take a few minutes and let's just really talk about money. And, and let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Because that ought to be a good, healthy way for us to build a viewpoint, okay? Um, and so I'm going to kind of come at this from the angle of, in our own lives, what could our financial situation look like, right? Kind of how we, you know, as, a, as people, individuals or as couples, how do we think about money? And, and if we were to use the Bible as our overriding financial guide, if we were to kind of say, I'm going to structure my financial life, I'm going to build it around biblical principles, what might that look like? And how might it be different from today, or where might it lead us? First, first, might sound a little unusual to start about talking about money, okay? But Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Okay, so what's that got to do with money? 
Money's in the world. God's the source. Yeah, God owns everything, which includes money. Okay, so I mean, I think if there's any question about kind of then the ownership, right, then we've just resolved that really whose who's is it? Okay, God has laid claim to it. The word says God, it's, if, if, it's, if it exists, it belongs to God. Okay, so, you know, an interesting thing too, and maybe you've heard numbers on this before, the Bible talks a lot about money. We all think it's just about, you know, coming to church and all that, right? But the Bible talks a lot about money. There's 288 verses that got something to do with money in the Bible. There's over, Jesus talked about money 30 times, and out of all of his parables, 16 out of 38 parables have to do with money. So, I mean, this is one of those topics that obviously Jesus thought was pretty important because he spent a lot of time talking about it. Which, And if Jesus talks about something a lot and thinks it's important, it's also probably because he knows it's a potential problem that he's trying to give us guidance on to help us so that money is a good thing in our lives and not a destructive thing. So... How, how God's word speaks about money is probably something we should pay attention to. You know, and uh, how we, would you guys agree with this? How we manage our money is going to have a lot to do with the quality of our lives. Is that a fair statement? How you, how you manage your money, spiritually, secularly, you know, just in general, right? How you manage your money is going to have a lot to do with the quality of your lives. Malachi 3 specifically says that God wants to pour out blessing on our lives. And I want God's blessing on my life. And I know you do too. But here's the deal. Malachi 3 also goes on to say his hands are tied if we don't trust him with our money. And the truth is, because God can only bless the things that we release to him. Fact is, how we manage our money and how we use it is not only going to be a sign of our spiritual maturity, but it's also going to be a test of our true character. So, as we continue, I just want to read one more passage to you, and that's in 1 Timothy. I'm going to read a couple of parts of it, verses 6 to 10 and 17 to 19. So, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verses 6 to 10 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, And we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Jump over to verse 17. Then it says, so then command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. These verses make it pretty clear that
that God really cares about how we acquire our money and how we use our money. So how are we supposed to acquire our money? Well, Proverbs 12.11 says hard work brings prosperity. And those who chase fantasies have no sense. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 to 9 says, Keep away from every believer who's idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we did not have a right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, that the one who is unwilling to work should not eat. Okay, between those two verses, I think it's safe to say the Bible makes it pretty clear that we're supposed to get our money from honest work. That that's, should be the source of the money that we have. Now, here's the deal then. If our money comes from any other source other than God's approved source, How can we expect him to bless it? How can we expect him to protect it from the devourer? If you have any doubt about my last statement, I would invite you, not right now, (laughs) because I'll feel bad if you all turn away, okay? But I'll invite you to take, a little later today, take your smartphone, pull up your favorite search engine, and type in lottery winners then and now. Type, I, I did that. Lottery winners then and now. I hope you're in a comfortable chair and you have some Kleenex nearby because I'm going to tell you, you're going to read story after story of sad endings. Of sad endings. You're going to read stories of marriages destroyed, families broken, and money quickly lost. Proverbs 13.1 says, dishonest money dwindles away. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Proverbs 10.22 in the Amplified says, the blessing of the Lord brings true riches. Here's the deal. And he adds no sorrow to it. Other translation says he adds no trouble to it, for it comes as a blessing from the Lord. Listen, it doesn't matter how much money can arrive on your doorstep. If trouble's been added to it, do you, under, do you see the point? Okay, it, it's not going to last, and it's certainly not going to bring the, the joy that one might suppose that a boatload of money arriving might bring. So, obviously, God cares about how we acquire our money. We want to acquire it God's way. It's through honest labor. It's acquiring it through the methods that he has provided us. But also God cares about how we use our money, what we do with it. Luke 16.10 says that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. But whoever's dishonest with little is also going to be dishonest with much. So look, God throughout our lives is continually training us as, as he provides, as he allows us to earn some money, to acquire some money. He, in, that, in that amount, he trains us. And in fact, the Bible does say God tests us, doesn't it? Okay, so he tests us to see, can you be faithful with this? 
can I trust you with this? And, and if, we, if we prove faithful, then God says, great, because then I can bless you with more. I can test you and trust you with more. And so all of a sudden, through promotions or raises or, you know, a lot of, I mean, God has so many ways to bring money into your life. More comes. And then God, at some new level, God trains you and tests you. And when you prove faithful, he does more. But the problem is if we prove unfaithful back here, Scripture says that if you can't be trusted with little. Now, is that because God doesn't like you? Is that because God wants you to not have enough? No. What it is is that God understands that if he gives you more money than you have the character and the spiritual maturity to handle, it can destroy you. The great example are the lottery winners now and then. You will find, but I mean, think about it. It's wise, and I'm not against athletes, please misunderstand, but you can also read, you can Google uh, 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 bankrupt NFL athletes, and you will find a disproportionate share of the NFL players who come into large contracts and within a couple of years, three, four years of leaving football are completely broke. Because, and here's the problem. It's not that they're bad people. It's not, it's not like, you know, it's not like that. But the problem is, you think about it. When, when we acquire our money the way God has said, he's training us along the way. And so that as we gain more, we've built the spiritual muscle, the character to manage it. If, if a whole bunch gets dumped in your lap and you've never been trained, think of all the people that will come alongside you and tell you they want to help when really what they want to do is get their hand in your pocket. They want to, they want to guide you to do things that are not good for you, but they're good for them. And, and unfortunately, that's what happens to a lot of lottery winners and a lot of professional athletes that come into a lot of money too quickly and without a, the, the training and without people around them to protect them and to help guide them along the way. So he's going to guide us because what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to teach us to become stewards. If the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then it's God's. It doesn't belong to us. So what he's calling us to do is to be stewards. So what's a steward? Well, a steward is someone who manages or looked after, looks after someone else's property. You know, there's a, I, I like this. I thought this ad was pretty good. I, I like to read the Wall Street Journal, Okay. And, and I've got a little more time in my life than I used two years ago, so I get to read it cover to cover most days, and I kind of enjoy it, okay? Um, there's, a, there's a brand of watch, I assure you, I don't own one. <laughs> I never will. But there's a brand of watch called Patek Philippe. You might have heard of it, okay? But it is a very high-end brand of watch, okay? Both men's and women's. Uh, I mean, I think they start at like $25,000 and go up, okay? I Googled them one time. I mean, you yeah, yeah, I mean, they're, well, they're crazy, okay? They're very, very expensive, okay? But there's an ad not too long ago in the Wall Street Journal for Patek Philippe, okay? And it showed this man's watch, and then the other photo in the ad showed, uh, it's a one, you know, scene photo, but it was this older man uh, hand, handing his watch to his grown son, you know, like passing it along, like, like giving it to his son, Okay? And the, the copy in the ad said, you never really own it, 
you merely look after it for the next generation. Because their whole point is they'll last for, you know, 100 years or whatever, and so you pass it down for several generations. But the thing that caught me about that is that's exactly the concept of stewardship. Okay? You, know, you don't really own it. You just take care of it for those who follow. So if we don't own it, it's not our money, right? It's God's money. That's it. And, and that's why this is such a huge concept, right? Because so many times, Joel, I'm really glad you said that, because so many times, especially in church, you know, in church, when the word stewardship comes up, everybody kind of tightens up and grabs their wallets because they think, here comes, here comes a tithing, you know, somebody's going to point at me and tell me, you know, tithing, okay? And, and look, you guys, anybody that's known me more than 12 minutes knows that I'm a, I'm a real believer in tithing. But it's not because the church is broke and needs money. It's for you. It's because tithing, tithing releases God's blessing on your life. Okay? And so, so what I want us to understand that t- today, and so that's why I'm so glad you said that, is what we need to get in our hearts and spirits today, if we don't already have it, is that biblical stewardship is not just about the 10% tithe. It's about the whole 100% because if all the money's really God's and he's entrusted to you some of it, okay, then you are to be a steward of the whole 100%. Now, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. God cares just as much about how you use that remaining 90% as he does being faithful to him with the 10%. So, I mean, if you'll go back and just really, if you'll agree with me that we all believe that Psalm 24.1, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and the world and all who live in it, then everything that exists already belongs to God. So we're to be stewards. But think about this. I'm to be steward. It, he said the whole world, which means more than just money, right? So I'm to be a steward of my life, if you will. So, which means I'm supposed to steward be a steward of my relationships. I'm supposed to be a steward of my job, of my ministries, of the environment. Stewardship is so much more than just about money. It's, it's about our entire lives, okay? And let's think about stewardship and what the Bible says about being a good steward. Let's be clear. Stewards does not mean that we're just supposed to keep the owner's stuff locked up. Right? Some of you know that verse. <laughs> no, we're not just supposed to keep the steward's stuff locked up. The, the owner expects the steward to use it, to keep it running, to keep it healthy, to make it grow. If, if it was a vineyard, the steward would expect, the, the owner would expect the vineyard to keep it trimmed and pruned and collect the grapes so that there's more, the harvest grows every year. If it's money, we all know that story in Matthew 25, 14 to 18, right? I won't even read the whole thing to you because we've read it a number of times. But you know the verse. It's about a, it says a man was going to go on a trip and he called three of his employees together, right? I'm using today language. And he gave one of them he gave five bags of gold, one two, and one of them one. And it says each according to their ability. Okay? And then he went away. And what happened with the good stewards? The good stewards put it to work grew it, got an increase, and when the owner came back, they had a good story to report, right? The five went to ten, the two went to four, but the poor steward says, I locked it up. I I locked it up. I wanted to get it back to you. 
And, and he was criticized. He was criticized. So look, as good stewards, what we're supposed to be doing is take what God provides us in terms of not only money, but relationships and opportunities and ministries. And we're supposed to be faithful with them. We're supposed to be investing in those things. We're supposed to be building relationships. We're supposed to be building job skills. He's given us the ability to work. We're supposed to be good and getting better. He's, he's wanting us to invest in the kingdom of God. Faithful stewards deliver good returns. But let's not make a mistake about it. That 10% matters also. It matters to God. Malachi 3, 8 to 12. We've read this a number of times. But it, it's so critical that we get it in our spirits because it's just true. It's God's word and it's true. Malachi 3, 8 through 12 says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. Listen, when we don't honor God with our tithe, we haven't given it back to him. He, he can't bless it, and he can't protect it from the devourer. Now, look, I'm just, I'm just saying this is, this is kind of where, and we've all known people that just seem like they can never, can never get their money, can never get their financial lives in order. And I'm not picking any, please, this is, I'm just talking generically, okay? But, you know, I think when someone just can't get their financial lives in order, at least it's worth looking at, could it be because I'm not honoring God with a tithe? I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's at least, ought to, I, I can't say that's always the reason. I'm not God. That's not me to judge. But what I'm telling you is, is it could be, and it should at least be considered. Because if we want God's blessing, he's told us how, how it comes. You know, when we give back to God, that, that first 10%, and, and, and I'm just kind of one of those guys that thinks it's because of first fruits, the whole concept of... I, for years, when I got paid, before I paid a single bill, I wrote my tithe check. I'm just, that, I just felt like that was a big deal. Okay, once I caught the concept of tithing, I, I, I'm going to join. Not, none of us probably got there. You know, I wasn't born a tither. I didn't get it. I, I, I mean, I, I, I was like a lot of people who there was a time when, you know, I looked at other people and said, well, it would be easy for him to tithe. No, you know what I mean? It'd be easy for him to tithe. After he's given 10%, he's still got a boatload of money left over. You know, I, how, that's easy. You know what? Faithful in little, faithful in much. Maybe the reason the guy got the more was because he'd been faithful all along. Okay, do you see what I mean? So we want to, we, we got to build our muscle and get there so God can trust us with the more. But, but, what, but what we want to do is we just want to understand that when we give that 10%, what we're demonstrating it's not only, we talk about it here a lot, but our gratitude, right? Just because God gives us health, God gives us the ability to earn the money. He gives us a provision. But it also demonstrates our understanding that everything is, comes from him. And when we give him that first 10%, we're, 
what it also says is, God, I got confidence in you that you're going to make the remaining 90 go far enough. You're going to get me through to next payday. Do you see what I mean? That's if, if I wait and say, well, God, I'll tithe if, you, if, if I got it. <laughs> I'll see what's left over. I want more than God's leftovers. Now, God's leftovers would probably be quite a bit, you know what I mean? But I want, I want God's hand of blessing to, to be free to flow on my life to the, to the extent that he chooses to bless me. I don't want to put a barrier in the way. I don't want to put like static in the line by not honoring him with that first 10%. Because maybe some of you, I mean, I've told you before, look, I'm a cancer survivor. Okay? And it was serious. And I could very easily, very realistically, and I'm not looking for any sympathy, but it would be really easy for me not to be here right now. Because I'd be dead with what I had. So I understand that, and, and I had good medical care. I, you know, I understand that I was fortunate. I could go to good doctors and get good medical care. But I also understand this, that what I had can come back. And I'm uh, a little over eight years into the it hadn't come back when everybody said five would be real good. Do you understand Listen, there's stuff in our lives that you might say, well, I can control this. As long as I don't do dumb things, I'll be okay. Well, you know what? You don't do it. How do you get cancer? It shows up. You you follow me? I mean, there are some things in your life that, man, I want God's blessing in my life, and I want his richest blessing, not just about money, but about my health, about my family. Who's got kids? I mean, who's got kids? Who's got some people? And if you don't have children, who's got some people in their lives that you love and care about? Maybe friends and maybe brothers or sisters. Man, I want God's, when I pray, I want my my prayers to have power. Because I want God to go, yes, I want to bless that child. Yes, I want to bless that brother. I want to, because, listen, we need it. And that's the power. That's the stuff. When I'm talking about stewardship, I'm talking about so much more than 10%. I'm talking about your life. Because we're a steward. And, and when we act like that steward that gives of ourselves, then we open ourselves up for God to go, oh, that's, what a faithful steward. I gave them five and they returned ten. Do you see what I mean? I don't want to be the guy that got the one and locks it up and says, well, no. I, I want to be the, the bold person that's trusting God with everything because if I am, then just think of the things, the difference it can make in our world. So it's a real simple application, okay? Whatever you want God to bless in your life, make him first in that area. You want him to bless your work? Make God first. Want him to bless your marriage? Put him first. Want him to bless your schoolwork? Put him first. Want him to bless your finances, your money? Put him first. And on that one, we know you put him first by giving him the tithe that he's called for every payday, every payday. This, when I, while, while I was preparing this, maybe you've thought of this before. I hadn't, okay? So for me, this was like an epiphany, and it got me really excited. So I have to share it with you because I, I just think it's, for me at least, it was a big deal, okay? This is something to me exciting for us to think about. How many of you would truly like to make a difference in your city, in, your, in the country, and in the world? 
Okay, I mean, I think we'd all say yeah, right? I mean, we'd like to, I'd like to think when I, when I pass on that it mattered, okay? Well, let me give, but a lot of us think, well, what could I do? I mean, you know, I'm not the president. I'm not, a, I'm not powerful, you know? What could I do? I want you to think about this, okay? One of the most powerful things we can do as individuals is tithe. Let me tell you why I'm saying that, okay? Stay with me. Since faithfulness in tithing leads to God's blessing and protection on the remaining 90%, right? He protects it from the devourer. He makes it go far enough. He makes it last. Here's the thing. That remaining and blessed and protected 90% then includes the money that we pay in state local, and federal taxes. Does that make sense to you? That includes the money we pay in taxes. Proverbs 21.1 says that the king's heart is in the Lord's hand, and he directs it like, ever, like a water course wherever he pleases. How differently might God lead our elected officials, school boards, city councils, Governors, congressmen, senators, how differently might he lead them when our tax dollars are blessed by God and off limits to the devourer? Think about it. That's, that's a difference that you and I can make even if we say, well, I'm not a politician and I'm just one vote. I want to, I believe with all my heart that the more believers that would tithe and pay their taxes, it will have a lasting impact on the quality of the country and the government we lived in, to me. A fair question for a lot of us, okay, is how do you get started? How do you get started? Well, you get started by starting. <laughs> no. It's, 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 about, it's about that simple, okay? But, the, you know, what we want to do, right, a lot of us have debt that's very practical. We have debt. We say, how can I eliminate my debt? How can I manage my money that will help me get to a point where I have more money? Because that's what we're talking about today. How can I have more money? I'd like to get more money. Well, let me just give you three really quick practical steps that I just to help you get started, okay? Uh, one is establish wise goals. You should have a plan for your money. No plan means any which way, you know, we'll get you lost and, or we'll get you there. But what I want you to do is, is, is if, you're, if you're married, so if you're single, have a plan. Develop a plan. If you're married, you and your spouse need to think about it and have a plan. And you can't assume that the other person feels like you do about how to spend it, how to save it, what to do with it. So you need to talk about it. And you need to establish kind of short-term goals, like what do we do like right now, and long-term goals. What do, we want, what do we want our lives to look like, you know, in three years, five years, ten years? What is it we'd like to do? Uh, maybe it's about retirement. When would we like to retire, you know, in five years? In ten, when, what would that look like? And how much money would I need to get there? What, what, what's required? Then what you need to do is you take a quick assessment of where am I right now? I mean, that's where I want to be. Where am I right now? Okay, and then if you both agree on we're here and we want to get over here, well, then you can start to create goals that help you get from here 
to there, okay? Goal and realistic ones, not crazy goals, but goal, like goals that fit your current income, that honor God, and move you towards the goal. Get one step closer. I mean, when you, a lot of times, when if, you know, the time in my life, I got like zero in the bank, you know, and trying to pay all the bills every month and all that. I mean, at some point, you just go, how can I get five bucks? <laughs> you know, how can I end the month with five bucks in my checking account instead of none? And then how can I end it with ten? I mean, but the point is you have a goal and you start and you start taking steps. And with every step, you'll get more insight and God will reveal to you yet new ways. Because, again, remember, he trains you little by little, faithful and little, faithful and more. So you start little by little. So you establish those goals, you pray about them, you commit them to God, and you ask God to give you peace and and clarity. And if you're a couple, to give you unity on those goals. Just about every financial planner that I know that's a follower of Jesus will will start out just about any counseling with anybody who says, help me build a plan with with step one and step two being the same for everybody. Tithe 10% and then save 10%. And then build your other, you know, build the rest of your goals, okay? Uh, But like I said, even if you have to start small, the key is to start Okay, again, I love that verse, Proverbs thirteen eleven. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. So gather it little by little. Maybe at first you don't even bother putting it in the bank. You put it in a cookie jar on the kitchen counter. It doesn't matter. Start. Just start and begin. And watch what God does when we start because we're trusting him and we're committed to the stewardship that he's called us to. Second thing is you need to set some financial boundaries in your life. Now, that sounds constrictive. Actually, I'm, these are freeing ones, okay? Uh, they're boundaries that will help you achieve your goals, but they'll also, they, what they do is they create a framework for discussion so that everything that comes up isn't an issue. It kind of creates the framework for discussion that not only guide your spending decisions, but it kind of keeps peace and relationships along the way. Two really simple examples of that is, number one, don't hide accounts or purchases, now, I'm sure that no one's ever bought an outfit and hid it in the back of the closet to not, you know, I mean, there are people, right, you hear stories about people who hide things, you know, they hide the new shoes or they hide this. Or people, somehow uh, a spouse passes away and all of a sudden they find out there was some bank account that nobody knew about, you know. I mean, don't do that, okay? Part, part of building trust and building cooperation and building your financial unity is transparency and openness. So, if, you know, if you're married, your accounts, all of them should be joint accounts. And all of, you know, and, and your purchases should be, you know, transparent. Look, and here's the deal. Remember, this is a plan that everybody's agreeing to. You know, right? The whole goal is we're agreeing to do this together. So if you blow it and you splurge, don't hide it. Just admit it. Just admit it. If you need to apologize, fine, apologize. If someone needs to forgive, forgive. You just move on, right? You just go, hey, you know, let's, let's, let's keep going. Because I'll tell you this much when it comes to achieving financial goals. Grace and forgiveness will have a whole lot more to do with achieving a positive impact in the future than any sarcasm or lectures at the present, right? The goal is we all both want to just get on the train and move together. The other thing that I think is a really good idea is allow yourself some pocket money. Everybody gets a little pocket money, okay? Now, 
My granddad used to call that his walking around money. And I kind of like that, right? Everybody in a marriage and a partner, or if you're single, you need to do it, but everybody should get a predetermined amount of money every payday that you can do whatever you want to with without having any discussion, any, any question, okay? I mean, whether, whether one of you wants to stash it in a sock drawer for, you know, to build it up for something bigger or somebody wants to spend it on a, um, a mani-pedi pedicure, whatever those things are called, okay? Or if you want to invest it in a new video game, you know, whatever it is you're doing, as long as it comes out of pocket money, it's okay. Because that's what it was for. It's to let people do that thing they need to do just to feel good and have a little fun without worrying about needing approvals or, or, or getting in trouble over it, okay? But beyond that, both everybody involved in this ought to agree on there's certain thresholds that if we're talking about spending, and you know, this varies depending on your income, right? It may be $100. It may be $500. It can be whatever you decide it is. But there should be some threshold that says if I'm shopping and all of a sudden I want to buy this thing that, you know, costs $500, if that's our threshold, that I don't do it without agreement from my partner, from my spouse. And, and here's the deal that's important. And without reaching agreement, we don't do it. We don't do it. Not because that's a bad thing. It's just because we've already predetermined what the threshold is and that decisions require unity. Because remember, the thing here that honors God is not how much money you have. It's unity in your relationships. That's what it's. It's the love that you build and preserve. Scripture doesn't say they'll know we're Christians by our bank account. It says they'll know we're Christians by our love. And love's hard to have without unity. So we want to have unity in our financial lives as well. Last thing is I just think it's a really good idea as you're trying to build financial freedom to have more money is end of every month, hey, whether you bank online or how you do stuff, you can pull up a bank statement, and if you have a credit card, you get a credit card bill. I'd, I would recommend that you have a little five to ten minute maximum guilt-free discussion, either with yourself or with your partner. You get the bank statement, you get the credit card bill, you just get them out, you look them over and say, are there any surprises on here? Any surpri- anything we didn't expect, anything that was out of the normal, you know, anything we need to discuss. Are there any adjustments we need to make uh, going forward? Look, if everything's kind of unplanned, details aren't critical, right? It doesn't really matter that it was... $22 at the grocery store instead of 25 you know, If everything's on plan, you just keep going. But what it is, it's a chance if you're off plan or you're over budget, uh, then you just spend that couple of minutes and agree on, well, how can, what can we do differently this month to try and get more back on, onto our plan? Um, a lot of businesses kind of use a, a tool called Plus Delta. And it's, what's, what's a bad idea, right, is say, what, what do we do well and then what did you do wrong? That's kind of what happens, right, if we're not careful. It's what, what went well, but then what did you do wrong or what did I do wrong? And that just kind of turns it sour. Okay, so the, and the goal of this is not to, be, to cause trouble. The goal here is to get to a goal. So most businesses, to avoid that, use what's called plus delta. They say, what do we do right, and what can we do better next time? It's not what did you do wrong. It's what could we do better. 
well, what we could have done better is I could have called you instead of spending that extra, you know, going, you know, making that big purchase without calling you. I could do better. Great. Let's, let's, let's do that. You see what I mean? Because, again, the goal is not to beat people up. The goal is to achieve the goal. Okay? And so it's just and, and to keep everybody on board. So just a little quick review that lets us say, what do we do right? What can we do better? Is just a really neat way to keep the discussion alive and moving in the right direction. And obviously... In, along the path, if you need it, because you're just having trouble getting there, you can always seek wise counsel from others or professional help as well. Okay? Look, let's close this. So <laughs> the question today was, what if I had more money? Well, what if you did? What if you did? The real question that's important is, would it end up being a blessing or a curse? Would it end up being for good or remember, money is neither good or evil. Money is just money. It, it, it's not the thing that's good or evil. It's how we use it. It's, what, it's, it's the position we give it in our lives. Core of the matter is the condition and focus of our hearts. Matthew 6.24 says nobody can serve two masters. You're either going to hate one and love the other, be devoted to one, and you're going to despise the other. And then it says you can't serve both God and money. Isn't it interesting? That's what he chose. God and money. It must be because money's a big... <laughs> we talked about why is money such an issue. Well, it's because money becomes an idol for a lot of people. Money becomes that thing that will draw them away from God. And so that's why I think he chose that example for that verse. So today you kind of got to ask yourself, am I, am, I, you, you know, am I in control of my money or is my money in control of me? Am I being a good steward with what God's given me or do I think it's all mine and, and I decide what to do? So that's, that's just kind of where God's brought us today. So as we close, I'd like you, would you stand with me as we get ready to close and just uh, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes and um, all I, all I want to do, you know, the thing, Pastor Cindy brought it up today, and, man, we all talk about it. This church is so generous and giving, and I, 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 I talk about this because for all of us, we all can learn something every time, but this, is, this today is not directed at anybody or, uh, or because there's some issue, but it's to lay it out there for us to individually and as people just consider what God would have for us, okay? And so today, privately, right now, heads bowed, eyes closed, the question that I think we all should ask ourselves is, have I put God first in my finances? Am I being that good steward, recognizing that it all belongs to him, the whole 100% belongs to him, and am I honoring him by living my life as a steward? And ask yourself if you have a financial plan or should you? Yes, you should if you don't. But the real issue here today is stewardship. Am I living as a faithful steward of all that God has entrusted to me? Not just money, but my time, my gifts, my abilities, as well as my finances. So nobody looking around. If there's any of those areas of your finances that today you just go, you know what, I just, today's the day I want to kind of put a you know, stake in the ground. I want to plant a flag and just want to say, today, 
I just want to recommit my finances, whatever that means to you, whatever, wherever you are in the path. But today I want to just recommit that, that I, I want to be a steward of the whole 100%. I want to do the, I want to live my life financially in ways that bring honor and glory to God and that allows him to bless it and to protect it, to be used for his honor. You'd say, yeah, I just want to do that today. Just slip your hand up. Just amen, 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 hands. Okay. Lord, today, God, we just want to be people, Lord, that recognize that everything we have is a gift from you. The fact that we're even alive, Lord. So, Lord, today we just want to thank you for your blessing and care. We want to thank you for all that you do for us, God. Today we commit, Lord, all that we have to you. Lord, our desire is to be the faithful stewards that yield a good return for all that the master entrusts to us. Lord, that's our prayer. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.